Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. You smell the stink bugs. They're called stink bugs. You're supposed to smell them to verify. In October, they smell like nutmeg. <laughs> pumpkin spice. They're, they're pumpkin spice bugs. They're getting in the spirit. Life 107.1. You're trying to do the right thing because you're at work. Mm-hmm. You put your phone off to the side, face down. Not so going to distract you. So that you can't see it and you have it off. Okay. But all of a sudden you hear it. It's buzzing. You can hear it vibrating against the counter, oh, you know, yep. or against your desk. Bzz, 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 bzz. One, two, three, bzz, six. Six, <laughs> six texts. It was six texts. I got Whoa! six texts in a row. And it was during a time where Taylor and I were talking to you and my phone is over there. I mean, it's like vibrating. It's like jumping up and down. And I'm oh, like, oh my boy. goodness, what is going on? So when we get to the song that you were listening to, I went ahead and I checked my phone. Now, a text in capital letters indicates... It's pretty intense. Okay. Pretty dire straits. <laughs> the first text was just my name, Mom. <laughs> capital letters spaced out, Mom! There's a big bug on the wall. Now, all of this is spelled wrong. You know, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. Oh, Giant no. bug. You know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You've got to be kidding me. This kid is six foot two, 190 mm-hmm. pounds, size 14 feet. And there's a bug. And there's a bug on the wall in the living bug, room. And he threw his shoe at it, apparently. And that just, quote, made it mad, unquote. Oh. I eventually went home a little later to get rid of the bug for mm-hmm. him. It was a stink bug. Like a those little, like you're about the size of a dime and they smell like cinnamon? Maybe. Do they really smell like cinnamon? I think they do. They, they smell spicy. <laughs> How often have you smelled a stink bug? They're called stink bugs. You're supposed to smell them to verify. In October, they smell like nutmeg. <laughs> pumpkin spice. They're, they're pumpkin spice bugs. They're getting in the spirit. We thought it would be fun to talk about bugs. You want to talk about bugs? Let's talk about bugs. Now I'm starting to second guess this decision. I know. I'm getting the creepy crawlies. I mean, I'm the bug dispatcher in my house, but they still, they weird me out sometimes, I've got to say. But I'm the person in my house that has to take care of them. And we want to know about the person in yours in charge of the bugs. We were at home and there was the largest spider I've ever seen in my life inside our home. And I literally could not smash it with a shoe. Like, I felt like it still would be too large to smash oh, with a shoe. my. And so, so we're calling every child down. I've got lots of kiddos, and we're, we're calling each one down. And no one, would, no one would attempt to do it. And finally, my son, who is, we think he's a bug expert, just gets the spider and puts it in his hand. <laughs> And, yep, what? yep, and he goes and walks it outside like a pro. He put it in his hand? He is not a big kid. It was bigger than his hand. I'm serious. Yeah. It, it, it was yeah. cute. Oh, Taylor, Taylor, come back, Taylor. No. Taylor just <laughs> ran out of the studio. No. <laughs> yeah. Kind of feel like we owe you an apology. This show obviously should have come with a warning. <laughs> It's been it's been kind of creepy. We didn't know that Lori was going to tell us about her son Lucas taking care of a spider that was bigger than his hand. Ah! Yeah, I had, uh, I, I had to run a lap around the building before I could feel better about myself. Uh, but now Sienna has something to share. Sorry, Taylor, I'm going to make you run out of the again room again. I've already got all my steps for the day. So when I was growing up in Texas, we were right on the path. Did you know that tarantulas migrate? 
They migrate? <laughs> they migrate in huge herds of tarantulas. No! I don't know if they're called herds or not. <laughs> what do you call a herd of tarantulas? I don't know. But there would be enough of them that the roads would actually get slick with because No! Well, there's a mental image I could have done without today. Now we all get to share that together. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes in your home, the designated bug dispatcher is is an obvious person. It's Mm -hmm. who you think it would be. And then sometimes it's not. I don't know what kind of a bug it was, but it had my five-year-old grandson trapped in his bedroom. Oh. And so he's screaming at this uh, bug. Yep. And the four-year-old granddaughter comes in and... Smashes it and says, dead bug now. <laughs> kind of our go-to thing if somebody kills a bug, it's dead bug now. Dad, it's a big job. Yeah. It's a big job. It's a hard job. And, you know, sometimes, Dad, you give advice. And most of it is good. Let's let's say that. Oh, most absolutely. of it is good. Absolutely. I learned so much from my dad. But occasionally... You know, dad gives advice and mom comes along and goes, uh, 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 wait, no. <laughs> and that's the advice we want to hear about. I was in like second grade and my sisters were in third and fourth. And we would walk to our grandmothers for piano lessons after elementary school. And we were complaining that these boys would chase us. And so my dad started telling us, well, you know, you want to try to talk it out. And we're like, dad, they're chasing us. So my dad would say, girls, you just need to hit them with your lunch boxes and run. <laughs> and then my mom came home in the middle of the conversation and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We never, <laughs> ever hit people. But now I'm 51. And if I have a conflict or something, my dad will wink at me and say, you know what you need to do? Just hit them with your lunchbox. They hand you this tiny squirming mm-hmm. child. And then they say, father this. <laughs> It's terrifying. No. And so it's not, we're not blaming dads for giving advice that doesn't always work out. It's just funny to laugh at it. Because the fact is 99.999% of your advice is excellent advice. There's just that, you know, 0.01% that mom has to correct. And sometimes it's advice that mom has to correct. And sometimes it's other things. My dad was always using me as a guinea pig to figure out how to pull teeth. Uh Oh, so one time he took a, a rope and tied it around the door handle and around my tooth. Oh, no. And tried to yank it out that way. Okay. It didn't work. It no. didn't. No. And then another time he took a flyer and he pulled my tooth out and it never came back for like a long time. Oh. My new one. And so my mom <laughs> said that is enough. From now on, the child learns how to take out her own teeth. Eat an apple or something, but no more experimentation yeah. on your child. My mom grew up on a farm and so they had the method where you would tie dental floss to the tooth and tie the other end to the back of a motorcycle. <laughs> and then you just drive off down that dirt road. <laughs> With a tooth flopping along behind you? Yeah, you know. You can pull so much more than just a tooth well, that you, way. Well, you only wrap it around one tooth and you just you just have to brace yourself. <laughs> like, get a good stance, good Taylor, center of gravity. That's awful, that's awful. Your mother is now an infection disease preventalist. She's probably not telling people to do that well, anymore. Well, just don't put dirt in the wound. Like, close your mouth after. This has been health tips from Taylor and Jen. No, Follow no, us for more COVID-19 no. tips. This has not been. Do not listen to anything that we do and then do it yourself. It's interesting when you look back on some of these parenting moments in your childhood 
and then you realize I'm about the age that my dad was when this happened. Okay, so you have a story that your dad gave you some advice when he was about your age now. He, he would have been a little bit older than me when this happened. Okay. That um, I had a really, really good friend growing up. Like we were in diapers together, we were inseparable, and we would get to wrestling like you do. What's his name? Michael Bradford. Michael Bradford. And so Michael, Michael Bradford and Taylor were like two peas in a pod. Oh, very, yeah. very close. We would wrestle on the playground, you know, <laughs> and every now and then Michael Bradford would pin me down. Oh. And when I would ask him to let me up, he wouldn't. Oh. And it was kind of distressing. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I was I was sharing my woes with my father of how, you know, we would be wrestling and it was fun. And then Michael would pin me and then I wouldn't know what to do. And my dad said, well, you just you just got to punch him in the nose, Taylor. No, no. Just, just punch him right, no. right square in the nose. Steve said that. My, my father said that to me, <laughs> and so no, Michael no, Bradford no, no, and I no, are driving no. home from school one day, or his mom's driving us because we carpooled together. Oh, no. And here's the thing about me: sometimes I assume people have been following me along the mental trail that I've been on, and I just in like your head? pick up mid mental conversation. And so I'd been thinking about all of this that had been going on, and without giving any context, I just turned to Michael Bradford and it says, <laughs> "Michael, my daddy says I can punch you in the nose <laughs> if I want." And let me tell you, Michael's mother had a conversation with my father after that, and we reconsidered the rules on nose punching. Not a go. Yeah, no, it, uh, that one got rescinded. Dad advice. 99.9% mm-hmm. of the time, good stuff. But we want to hear about the 0.1% of the time. My uncle used to say if we got hurt, rub a little dirt on it, you'll be fine. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then my dad would say, it's a long way from your heart, you'll be okay. So, (laughs) Oh, for goodness sake, it's on your shin. That's a long way from heart. Stop worrying. And so if you got hurt and the two of them were there, you got a double dose of... (laughs) It has been an interesting season in the world that as we're all kind of locked up together... I think we just started looking at the world a little different sometimes. It's true. And I know once we started opening up here in Iowa, even went so far as putting on Facebook some of the things that I want to do differently because we've had a chance to reflect on the way we've been living our lives. And we know that one of the things Jesus called us to do is to basically preach the kingdom. This is what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And we can start making the world look like it now. He said, go out. You know, go out into all the world, which is kind of different from the earlier days of of believers. Yeah, someone pointed this out to me that you look at a lot of these laws in the Old Testament about cleanness and uncleanness and holiness. It was basically, if you are holy and you touch something unholy, the flow is that bad moves into good and makes the good bad. So he said, be separate and don't touch stuff. Yeah, if, if you touch something unclean, you're going to be unclean. If you eat something unclean, you're going to be unclean. And then... All of a sudden, God sends a holy baby into an unholy world. And this holy baby grows up and he starts touching the lepers Mm. and the crippled Mm -hmm. and the outcasts. People that others wouldn't touch. And in that case, the bad didn't flow into the good. Jesus reversed the flow of the universe when he came into it. All of a sudden, the holy touches the unholy and makes it holy. That's amazing. Right? You think about Pentecost when all these believers are gathered gathered together. God sends his spirit into them. And instead of making the spirit unclean, he makes an entire people holy. 
And so now as believers, as we're opening up, as we're starting to go back into the world, and we've seen some things that are really wrong with our world, Mm -hmm. we have that power inside us, the power that raised Jesus from the dead to make the world around us a little more beautiful. You know, the word essential is taking on a whole new meaning in these days. And many of us, if not most of us, think that our phone is essential. But we do not treat it like it's essential. No, we don't. So I was cooking one day on the stove, and I forgot I had two burners on, and I had shut the one burner off. Well, I had taken a Snapchat of my cooking skills because I was so impressed with myself. Yeah. And then I set my phone down, and I set it right down on the hot burner. Oh, no! Oh, boy. Yeah, thank goodness I had a case on it, but it melted through the case <laughs> and pieces with, like, the glitter water. Oh, no! <laughs> I bet that was fun cleaning up. I did a lot of deep, heavy elbow grease cleaning. Yeah, Yeah, you did. Yep. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Wow. Sad but true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes hurt the things that are closest to you. It's true. Yeah. You take them for granted. Yeah. And then you are just so cruel to your cell phone. (laughs) You leave it in a sink full of dishes. Mm. In the fridge, on the stove, you bake it. We do terrible things Mm -hmm. to our cell phones. And we want to know what happened to yours. This happened to my friend, but it could have equally happened to me. (laughs) She came out of the bathroom at a local restaurant and said, hey, my phone fell. And I said, oh, like where? And she's like, I can't reach it. We went back into the bathroom. She put it on the edge of the baby changer. But it was stuck. (laughs) In there. In between the baby oh. changer and the wall? No! Okay, you don't want to touch the baby changer because I'm sure it's very yeah. sterile. That's accurate. Because it's cleaned all the time. But Naturally. She said, oh, my phone's stuck in there. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm sure this has happened before. And she was like, really? You think so? <laughs> we went to the front desk. I said, hey, um, we need you to take the baby changer off the wall <laughs> because my friend's phone is stuck in there. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, I hate that. And she was so sympathetic. And then she said, but we don't do that. Oh, we don't do that. Oh. I thought, well, her phone's going to be ringing in stall too <laughs> if we don't take the thing off the wall. But... We used a broom handle and got it. Okay, Debbie, what did you do to your cell phone? I decided mine needed a bath, so it went through the washer. Oh, of course it did. no, yeah. no. The next week, my husband decided he needed a bath, oh. and it went through the washer. So did you, like, come back to the same store a week later and be like, oh, uh, we did it again? <laughs> no, I said, oh, he did it this time. <laughs> All right, Diane, what have you done to your cell phone? We were boarding a flight. And you know, as you get ready to step on the airplane, there's that little teeny space between no, where no. you're exiting off the ramp. No. I had my cell phone in my hand, and I was like, I'm so excited. And my cell phone literally went in the air and dropped right between that crack. No. And I, as I watched it, and it fell to the tarmac. What happened? I told the stewardess, I go, I just dropped my phone. I need that phone. And she goes, we'll get it. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting on the airplane. Here comes a nice stewardess. She goes, what color was it? And I said, red. And she, oh, I have a black one. What? Go, no, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> I felt a little better that I wasn't the only one. And she did find my red phone. <laughs> We're sorry, but this morning has been a little creepy. You know, I should have known as we started talking about dispatching bugs that we would uh, learn less about the bug dispatchers and more about the most harrowing dispatching experiences. (laughs) 
<laughs> Didn't know tarantulas could migrate until today. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's that nightmare fuel. To, that's good to know. But Urbano wants to help us out here. Hopefully, just be able to share some hope for the arachnophobic people. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You know, I was the worst, most horrible arachnophobia. Like, it, I was just filled with fear. To the point where one night, I even had to go wake up my pregnant wife at the time. <laughs> to kill a spider for me. <laughs> well, now, I don't know. I, it was just a switch uh, almost instantly, and I don't know when it happened, but lately I've been more accepting of the spiders around me that live in my home. I know they're doing a good thing, killing other bugs. I don't know what it is, but if I can do it, other people can do it, too. Now you're <laughs> living in harmony with the spiders? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, whenever they're around, I kind of do that heavenly song, like, oh, that whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so, th- that's so that's how the solution. much I am. We start singing to the spiders, and then we won't be afraid of yeah. them anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a really practical piece of advice. I appreciate it. <laughs> so this whole conversation about bugs started, I'm sorry, with the story of me having to go home over my lunch break to kill a stink bug because it was scaring my son. And it turns out you're not the only mom defending her grown man-sized son from large bugs. Early in the summer, we were grilling. And a bug like the size of China. <laughs> it was that big. That kind of bug. And it, it was came in on the sliding glass door. And he goes, Mom, look at that size of that bug. And he said, do you want to get it or do you want me to get it? And I looked at him and said, you are an Eagle Scout. Get the bug. Did he say that because he was hoping you might take the, the ball on I that one? I think he was yes. hoping mom would take care of it. Absolutely. Mommy. Yes, he totally wanted. Yeah, he was like, hey, I realize I am a grown man now, but do you want to get the bug or do you want me to? And I thought, sweet boy, get the bug. Sweet I boy. <laughs> You've heard that the couple that prays together stays together? Uh Uh-huh. How about the couple that scares each other? (laughs) About this time of year, a little plastic spider makes his appearance in our home, my husband and I, and we just, you know, plant it in different (laughs) inconspicuous places to scare each other in their drawer, in their other toothbrush, whatever. This goes on for a while. And one time I stuck it in his checkbook. So he took it for the day. And when he got, he got to the bank and he was standing at the teller station and he flipped open his checkbook and that spider popped out and the teller screamed and almost tripped over backwards. And he just shook his head. He said, I'm sorry. That's my wife. That's my wife. I guess I got to be a little bit more <clears throat> discreet where I put it. But. <laughs> Dr. Heidi, we're coming up on shorter days. I hate to say it, but the winter months are approaching, which means cold and winter. And we get depressed. We have the feelings of depression. Sometimes it's seasonal affective disorder or whatever. But yeah. what is it that we can learn from you to help those months go by easier? Sure. So as a cognitive behavioral psychologist, we talk a lot about how thoughts and behaviors and feelings are all related. Out of those three, which one do you think is the easiest to change? 
probably your behaviors. Behaviors is right. Yes. Because, <laughs> because if he didn't I have his hand up. Okay. Because if I hate broccoli, I can still eat broccoli. Thoughts are next because I can know that broccoli is healthy for me and I can force myself to eat it even though I still hate broccoli. And that's a lighthearted example, but it shows that feelings are really the hardest thing to change. What's easiest is behavior. So this is encouraging because if we're feeling depressed, if we're feeling anxious, that the things that we can do are basically just put one foot in front of the other. Another way to think about this is to act opposite. So if it's the middle of winter or you're feeling down, you're feeling depressed, you don't want to get out of bed, just get start by bed. get out of, getting out of bed, right? <laughs> okay. You don't feel like taking a shower or putting makeup on or putting real clothes on. You want to stay in your jammies. Guess what you need to do? Right. Okay. My great grandmother knew this. Her advice that I, has been passed down is that when you are having a bad day, put a little extra makeup on, put a little extra fancy outfit on because then you'll feel better. Mm. And oh. she knew this, right? Yeah. She knew that she knew nothing about psychology, but she knew this, that we feel better if we change our behaviors. And so once we change our behaviors, our feelings can follow. You don't feel like calling a friend, call a friend. Mm. Okay, you don't feel like leaving the house, leave the house. And just see it as an experiment. Do you feel better? Do you not feel better? What I find is that when I send people on this assignment, they come back and more often than not, they say, yes, I didn't want to go, but I'm so glad that I did because I feel so much better. About 10 o'clock, Saturday morning, text message from my father with an attached video. It's not uncommon. Your family communicates all the time. Oh, yeah. We have got we send a lot of video messages back and forth about what's going on. Yeah. It's just what was in the video. Well, what was it? Well, it, it was a shot of my parents' pool in their backyard. Okay. And the camera starts zooming in. And then all of a sudden, on the cord for the pool vacuum. Yep, yep. The automatic one that keeps going. Yeah. Hanging on top of this is a soaking wet possum. Oh, and and my dad is zoomed in on this thing. He's like, we found this guy in our pool. He looks, he's kind of shivering. If you look close, he looks kind of cold. And we've heard that possums are good for your yard. Oh yeah, yeah, they do take care of vermins and stuff. So we're gonna try to rescue him. And then the phone goes dark. Don't get any communication from my mom and dad for I don't know maybe thirty forty five minutes. And then I get another video message. <laughs> And now the scene is a flower bed with a blanket down. <laughs> and my father comes in and he says, I think he's starting to warm up. Oh, no. They my rescued it. Mom's holding the camera and dad lifts up the blanket. And there's this possum sitting <laughs> with a little tin of water and a little tin of food right next to it. And my dad goes, he hissed at first, but I think he's starting to be OK. His name is Polly. His name is Polly. My parents... <laughs> Rescued and named oh, a possum. That's so sweet. It was very sweet of them. <laughs> Normally the two do their own thing, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't intersect that much. There's the domesticated world and then there's the wild world. But every once in a while, wildlife needs a little bit of a rescue. You said your mom and dad rescued a possum from their pool. His name's Polly. <laughs> Polly the possum. His name is Polly. Yeah, they know. <laughs> And if you have a wildlife rescue story, we'd love to hear it. I was walking my dogs, and there was a baby robin that had fallen from the nest. Oh, Yeah, like a little fledgling. It looked like Danny DeVito. It had all this fuzz on the side of its head, and it was bald on top. <laughs> Poor little Danny. Danny. And so I thought maybe it would just go, so I kept giving it water, and I, I tried to protect it from the sun, but I could tell that it was dying. So we went and bought a cage. 
and we saved it. And my youngest son named it Alex because I don't know if it's a girl. I don't know if it's a boy. We'll call it Alex, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. We'd open up the cage and it would fly away and then it would come back to us. And I, it was like I was Snow White. I would walk out in the yard and I would go, Alex, and it would come and land on my shoulder. No! <laughs> And so we watched it, finally started eating worms. I think we cried the day we saw it eat a worm. It's gone now because, you know, Robin migrates. Mm -hmm. Yes! It was the best summer because of Alex. Something had to be done. This cat kept coming to the house. I just moved into the neighborhood. And I didn't know if the cat just figured, you know, oh... There's a nice cat lady. Yeah, she looks friendly. Yeah, and, and and I think she's got cats inside there. I can see them in the window, so I bet you she'll feed me. And I, of course, I fed it. I mean, you I would fed the stray cat. I, it was a stray cat, and it needed me, so mm-hmm. I would bring out food, and it would eat it, and it would look at me with these giant grateful eyes. And I had fully intended to, you know, calm this thing down, yeah. tame the wild beast, mm-hmm. and eventually either take it in or find it a home or whatever. Okay, so I'm working on this stray cat and and, and the cat comes and sees me pretty much every day. After being in the neighborhood for a few weeks, I'm talking with one of my new neighbors and I'm like, have you seen? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's Charlie. Charlie belongs to the neighborhood. Oh, actually, Charlie (laughs) lives about four houses down right there. And that's where he sleeps at night. But during the day, Charlie goes around. She's like, are you feeding him? And I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah. There's about half a dozen of us that feed Charlie. <laughs> I was like, oh. Charlie's living Char- a life. Charlie is totally not astray. Scamming the whole neighborhood. Totally not wild. He literally saw a new person moved in and he knew that he could con me. You were a mark, Jen. I was a mark. <laughs> This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.